Well, equities have bounced back a little in the United States. Perhaps it's a few bargain hunters out there doing it, or maybe it's the anticipation of a swag of earnings results from tech companies that's coming up soon. Maybe it's the bounce back in the US GDP. But of course, the virus is still spreading in the United States and in Europe. We're getting tougher measures being introduced now. That's going to hit European economies hard, which is why Christine Lagarde at the ECB says they have to do more. But what exactly? We'll look at all of that today. It's the morning call from NAB for Friday, the 30th of October 2020. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities have certainly turned around today, a 2.2% rise in the Nasdaq, 1.9% for the S&P 500, 1.1% for the Dow, while shares in Europe have remained relatively flat. But look, Apple is up over 4%. That accounts for a chunk of the rise in the Nasdaq. Facebook is up close to 6%. Bonds, which have been fairly quiet of late, at least in the United States, have decided to move six basis points up on 10-year Treasury yields. The US dollar has risen today as well. It's up 0.6% on the DXY. The Aussie dollar down a quarter percent. The pound closer to half a percent down, and the euro losing 0.6%. And big falls in oil again. Another 3% off WTI it was more earlier, but it's down well over 9% in just a couple of days, to the lowest it's been since May. And of course, that demand shock in April will still be front of mind for many oil investors. So where are we today? Well, let's get Gavin Friend's take on it. He's senior market strategist at NAB in London. I guess part of that uh, enthusiasm in equities, we've got uh, several big earnings reports coming out very soon after the market's closed in the United States. We've got Facebook, Twitter, Alphabet, Apple and Amazon. So that might account for uh, a lot of the movement, particularly in the Nasdaq this morning. Yes, good morning, Phil. I think you're right there. I mean, uh, the tech sector there, uh, eagerly anticipating that outcome and and outperforming on the day. But it is a mixed day, as you say. You know, APEC session was lower. Uh, China, the exception. Europe looked better for for, for some part of the day, but ended lower too. The ECB's doom and gloom not helping, perhaps. uh, And no policy cavalry there. It's coming, but not for six weeks. US equities, as you mentioned, have had a a better day after Wednesday's drubbing. Um, US economic data, I think, helping out. But even with, you know, the gains we're seeing on Wall Street today, it's, you know, this week's decline isn't pretty and is, you know, sort of shaping up to be one of the worst weeks for global stocks um, for many yeah. months. Well, the problem... The, so I think, you know, the virus... The problem is, isn't it, whenever we get any good data, we can, we know, we can look at the US GDP, we, you know, we can, we can take some uh, solitude from that. But, of course, you know, we know that the virus numbers are increasing. So you've got to look at all these numbers cautiously because it could all just uh, unwind again. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've got the election as well coming up next week. But, but yeah. it's like it's, it's, it's the virus is clearly so important. You know, the the um, the the, uh, the rise in the infection rate there is really starting to reverberate with markets. Uh, I'd also say that the failure of, of Congress to get a fiscal deal is, is, is a weight. But I think. Front and centre at the moment is the virus. Um, we know mm. we're hearing out of, out of Germany and it was announced out of Germany and France that bars, restaurants, gyms, cinemas, cin- uh, swim pools, those kinds of things are going to be closed for a month or five weeks. Schools and essential places of work will remain open. The hope is that this will provide some sort of fire break. It's interesting that Germany, uh, you know, which has a very good a very effective track and trace system. There's fears that that is being that system is being overloaded, and that's why Germany has taken the action it has to try and sort of cut some slack, you know, buy some time, and hopefully bear down on this. Yeah. But it's it's a wish, and it's obviously it's a fear which is 
all-encompassing and really starting to prey on the minds of the uh, governing council at the ECB. You're in the thick, and thick of it all, of course, in, in London. Uh, there's no word from the UK government about doing more, except there was that Imperial College report that was out today saying 100,000 people are catching the, the virus every day now. It's doubling every nine days. They say the R rate in London and the South is above two now. So whatever's being done, it's, it, it's not enough. So uh, is there any talk? Is it? Can we expect that sometime next week, perhaps, the, the UK is going to follow Germany and France? and have tougher measures? Well, that's the whisper, isn't it? But uh, this government, the Boris Johnson government, really does not want to go down that road. Um, And you can understand why. Um, And so, you know, just locally, southeast of London, looking at the infection rates there in the various councils and parishes, um, you know, they're very low. They're very low compared to what we're seeing in the north of the country. You know, and I fear that there will be some kind of pushback if people, you know, get enforced into lockdowns. Uh, and that's why yeah. the government, you know, for good reason, is is trying to is trying to save lives. But at the same time, um, you know, wants to keep the economy rolling on as much as it can. Well, it's a clearer direction in Europe, isn't it? I mean, uh, Christine Lagarde saying that more needs to be done now uh, because things aren't uh, aren't recovering as fast as they'd hoped. The ECB meeting today, they didn't do anything this time. But with all these lockdowns uh, happening, I mean, they were basically signalling that they are going to do more next time. So, what's that going to be? More bond buying from uh, from the, from the ECB, or is, there, is is this? I mean, the the ideal obviously is that they have more fiscal stimulus from the EU, but that's not going to they're not going to have difficulty pulling that off quickly. So, it's going to have to come from the central bank. What else can they do? Yeah, I think it's a good argument. You know, the the, the whole line about uh, whether monetary policy changes at the moment are pushing on a string you know when you're looking mm. at enforced lockdowns you know we can talk about the situation with the rba uh, and action expected pretty universally uh, next week but that's in a country where things you know it, 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 things are looking much better in terms of the virus and things are potentially at a turning point and on the up in europe if you're just going into lockdown and the scale of the, the numbers that we're seeing in the sort of 20 30 thousands per day Going into lockdown, arguably, um, you know, easing monetary policy further isn't really going to do anything, bomb buying or, t- or Teltro's at this point. Yeah. Markets, though, weren't really looking for any easing today. They were looking for a signal from uh, Christine Lagarde that something, if it's needed, will be coming through uh, in December. And they really got that in spades. Um, the ECB, you know, she was very, very clear, crystal clear that the ECB Governing Council have cleared the decks for a recalibration of all its policy instruments at the December meeting. We know that the ECB likes to make these policy decisions at the four meetings each year when it has the new staff macroeconomic forecasts. They're out in September. But President Lagarde, um, she, she was extremely gloomy today. She made no effort at all to talk about the sort of resilience in manufacturing, particularly in Germany. Instead, she talked of downside risks and November data being very negative. She said that the governing council was in total agreement. The teams and committees are already at work on this recalibration exercise. Um, so I think, you know, you're right. What what will they do? It looks like, and we, you know, we, we've been on this page for a while, something like, what, 500, 600 billion euros of extra uh, quantitative easing buying announced in December, but only to come into action from June next year. So extending that duration, that, pit, that, that period where, mm. um, you know, the ECB is buying state assets and perhaps some more on the Teltro. This is where... 
banks, if you fulfill certain criteria, can actually end up borrowing from the ECB at minus 1%. Um, that's been quite successful. More of that to ensure that that funding, cheap funding door is still open to keep the liquidity going. But I think to your point, it's fiscal policy that provides the bridge and where we are. And on that point, we know we have this recovery fund that's supposed to start 750 billion joint issuance in the in, It's a game changer we've talked about, supposed to start January uh, 2021. And yet it's not ready yet because there's a spat going on about the rule of law. Christine Lagarde was pretty, you know, she gave short shrift to European political leaders today to uh, mm. get on with that. Shocker, isn't it? It's exactly the same as the situation in the United States. They've got the opportunity uh, to put some money into people's pockets, but it's just not finding its way there. But look, I mean, it looks like, I mean, the situation in the United States is somewhat better. Uh, I mean, you know, they are seeing the, the, the rising numbers, but that bounce back in the economy. Uh, GDP, I mean, OK, they're not back to where they were. It's not a full V shape, but it's heading up there. Yeah. So Q3 GDP, remember, you know, <laughs> Q2 fell to earth. Q3 is the other side of the V, the rebound, and we saw in the US up 33.1%. That's Q and Q annualized. So that's on a quarterly basis, it's about 8%. It's just a little bit above the downside that we saw in Q2. Uh, consumption mm. was strong. Investment in housing is strong. We know these are good, these are encouraging things, but business investment wasn't great. Net trade was a drag. Um, and of course, these are lagging numbers. You know, we're going to get Europe tomorrow. Europe's going to be talking about a nine and a half, ten percent rebound after a twelve percent almost fall in Q2. But these are all lagging data. The direction of travel for Q4 isn't good. We're talking at much slower rates of growth, possibly flat, possibly negative in Q4 by the time we get to it. The structure I mean, it is a worry, and then you've got the structural side to it all as well. So I was looking at actually I was looking at polling data in the United States, and there's a uh, polling company called Survey, Survey USA. Uh, it was interesting. On the, we can get onto the election in just a second. They, they've they've still got a ten point gap, which they say has not moved for for the last three weeks. So this idea of some sort of Trump resurgence, they're not seeing it. But they also, and this is sort of quite a reputable company, they've also been asking uh, people about their own individual circumstances. Thirty one percent of Americans have been fired, laid off, or had their hours reduced as a result of uh, the coronavirus. 12% of Americans hear from a debt collector every day. 7% of homeowners are behind on their mortgage payments. Another 8% have already lost their home due to foreclosure. Of renters, 10% don't know where, where they're going to get the money to pay for their November rent. So you've got this big, I mean, this is, these are awful numbers, aren't they? You've got this big, uh, this big shift. I mean, we're seeing uh, rich and poor gap widening through all of this, clearly. Yeah, it's that, again, we keep talking about the haves and the have-nots. I mean, the good story is that weekly jobless yeah. claims fell again. Continuing claims are coming lower, but yeah. the sort of warning we always say on that number is, is that... Uh, some people have used up their entitlement and they're being pushed through to other schemes such as the pandemic emergency unemployment compensation scheme. Um, and, you know, if you look through some of the job creation measures in some sectors, um, you know, new jobs or job creation is actually falling. And that's a bit of a warning for next week's uh, non-farm payroll. Of course, next week's going to be overshadowed by the election. And on that, 74 million Americans have already voted. That's over over 50% of those that voted in 2016, 90% in Texas. It is incredible, isn't it? 
Yeah. I mean, and what we don't know, it of is. course, amid all the uncertainties on the polling and whether it's right this time or not, is is um, you know whether that means it's just going to be a much larger turnout, or, or whether there is something else going on in terms of you know just getting there ahead because of the virus and other situ- yeah. other, other well, issues. This, this survey know. USA, this survey is saying that uh, he's trailing nineteen points amongst women now. And he's lost a lot of points amongst seniors in the last few weeks. He was doing reasonably well, but presumably because they're worried about the virus. And uh, and that has now moved from third place in terms of the most important issue from voters to first place. Well, it's, so, it's, I mean, it's, it's clear- here, here we are, indeed, here we are talking about gloom and doom and COVID and all these kinds of things. And yet, if we were to get a Biden clear sweep blue wave next week, no contested election, you know that markets are going to swing back to what we saw two or three weeks ago, which is the reflation trade. You know, bond yields rising, curves steepening, a boon for uh, EM, G10, um, the dollar will fall, and that will be seen as a, as a positive, uh, you know, uh, uh, wind for emerging markets and those kinds of things. And the mood will shift. Yeah. And the mood will shift. Um, we don't have to wait long for a lot going on. There is a lot going on. We don't have to wait very long for it. Donald Trump, mind you, is making very bold predictions. Not only is he saying he's going to win, uh, he's also saying he's going to keep control of the Senate. And thirdly, he's going to re- take control back of the House of Reps as well. Look, uh, coming up today, uh, we get PMI numbers for China. We get Europe's GDP readings, which you already mentioned, and US uh, core PCE deflator. Those uh, those European GDP readings are probably going to be the most thing the, the thing out of most uh, of most note amongst those, aren't they? They are, but it's also month end tomorrow uh, for mm, markets. Yeah. And so we get some big order flows going through, which basically take on a life of their own. And so yeah. um, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a confession. We don't know what's going on. Well, we've sort of got a handle on it, but it, it is, these are very unusual times, aren't they? Great to talk, Kevin. Catch you again very soon. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. It's going to be a very interesting week next week, isn't it? Stay with us on the morning call through thick and thin. We'll take you, hand hold you through it all. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back on Monday morning. Have a great weekend. 